This is Phelan and Myers, two for 20 with the Phelan and Myers Wealth Management Group of Janie Montgomery Scott. Janie, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and the New York Stock Exchange, maintains a presence in Duluth with their office at 6340 Sugarloaf Parkway, Suite 130 in Duluth, Georgia. Greetings and salutations, everybody. It's Stephen Julian, your trusty co-host here for Phelan and Myers 2 for 20. Phelan and Myers 2 for 20 is brought to you by the Phelan and Myers Wealth Management Group of Janie Montgomery Scott. I'm pleased to welcome in the host of the show, Scott Phelan. Scott, welcome to your own program. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Stephen. Absolutely. You, uh, you've you got a great guest, so I'm just going to let you introduce your guest today. Yes, yes. You know, one of the things that we talked about last show that we had done was to have a different financial topic once a month. And so we thought it'd be timely to have a CPA come in and talk about some year in tax planning, kind of what we see maybe for 2022 with some of the potential tax changes coming down the, down the line. So we have Cliff Bray today. He is a local CPA that I've known for a long time, uh, does a really good job. So uh, Cliff, you mind uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been in practice, where you located, that type of thing. So I'm located in Duluth over by the uh, Gwinnett Arena, our firm's WMBO CPA group. We've been around since 1988. Uh, I've been in practice for 26 years now. Perfect, perfect. So why don't we jump right into it? So let's talk about, if it's okay with you, Cliff, just some year-end tax planning things that we see. So one of the things in my practice uh, that we do a lot of, and, and hopefully it's not too much because, you know, hopefully we have gains across the board for the year, but if you have a stock or two or something like that that you have a loss in, maybe some tax loss harvesting going into year-end, do you see a lot of a lot of folks trying to do that this time of year? We do. Uh, one of the things that we do with year-end planning is try to, if client has significant gains, we get with the brokers to say, hey, any stocks that got losses here that we can harvest to help reduce those gains so that even eliminate some of those gains and maybe create a, a deduction of, for you where we can take the limited $3,000 capital gain loss okay. for folks. Okay. So can do you mind just explaining a little bit to the audience how the losses work against gains? So, you know, if, if let's say I, I sell a stock and I've got a $50,000 gain. I sell some Home Depot and I have a $50,000 gain. If I can take losses elsewhere, how does that work to offset that gain? You sell the Home Depot for 50000 Well, let's say Lowe's has a $60,000 loss. Well, we sell the $60,000 and we got a net $10,000 loss there. Well, for tax purposes, we're only limited to deduct 3000 but that extra $7,000 loss there, we get to carry it forward into the next tax year and use that to offset any gains that year or take additional loss. Conversely, if you uh, sell that Lowe's, and let's say it's not $60,000, let us say it's just less than the fifty, it's 25000 Does that mean you've reduced the gain overall by 25000 Exactly. Okay. So let me uh, take from tax loss harvesting, and, and let me ask uh, another thing for year-end uh, tax planning is a lot of people have 401k plans or some kind of retirement plan or just IRA accounts. What are the ways that you want them to kind of do some stuff year-end to make sure and help with their taxes? Well, what we want them to do is if they're participating in their company's retirement plans is to maximize the the deductions there. So like with 401ks, you can defer up to 19,500 for the 2021 tax year. If you have a simple IRA with your company plan, that's 13,500. But if you're over 50, you also have what's known as a catch-up 
you can do an additional 6,500 with the 401k. So you've got a total of 26,500 there that you can defer and reduces your taxable income. And with your simple IRA, you've got another 13,000 if you're over 50 that you can defer. So a total of 16,500 uh, deferred taxable income that will reduce your taxable taxes. So, so going into year end as an example, if let's say I've, I've got, and I'm just under 50, I'm getting real close to 50 actually. So my maximum I could do is 19.5, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I've deferred 10,000 so far this year. So what you're saying, I think is going into year end, I could defer a, a much more significant part of my paycheck, maybe than I'd done up to that point to get to that 19.5 or get closer to that 19.5. That's correct. So maybe I'd for 50% of my income between now and year end to max it out. That's correct. Where in the past, maybe I was deferring five, you know, something like, okay. Or, or even let's say that you don't have enough. We're short on time to the end of the year and trying to maximize that. You can always write a check to your employer and have them add that to your 401k withholding. Wow. Is that right? I did not. Topic. Nice. I did did not realize that. Something that that even the advisor needs to learn. I did did not know that. I did Uh, not know that. Let me ask this question because retirement plans and IRA, when you were talking about the retirement plan and the 401k, you talked about salary deferral. Mm -hmm. Is the IRA contribution a salary deferral as well? It is not. Okay. So uh, an IRA contribution is a direct deduction against your taxable income on your tax return. So it still helps, but not as much as deferring salary. Not as much. But if you don't have the opportunity to defer income through a retirement plan with a company, you can do an IRA. And for 2021, that's Mm $6,000. Or if you're over 50, you can add another $1,000 to that for a total of $7,000 of a deduction. A lot of time, uh, this time of year, you'll see folks doing charitable giving. Mm -hmm. So do you mind talking a little bit about how that works? And then do you normally recommend giving, for example, a highly appreciated stock or writing a check to charity? So in talking about the stock, we always recommend doing the highly appreciated, gifting the highly appreciated stock. Because if you give that, then you're giving the fair market value of that stock. So let's say that going to the Home Depot example of the selling for capital gains, let's say it's 50000 it's worth $50,000. If you give that stock of $50,000, that's your charitable deduction. Mm-hmm. But let's say you want, you, instead of, you go to give the cash of $50,000 and you sell that stock and you have a $25,000 basis in it, so you have $25,000 of gain. Well, if you give the $50,000 of cash, now you got to pay tax on that $25,000 of gain that you just realized. So we always recommend give the stock, avoid the capital gain in those scenarios. So in that example, give the 50000 of stock. Charities don't pay any taxes because they're tax-exempt organizations. You get the same $50,000 deduction that you would get if you gave cash. And shoot, even... I mean, you could turn around and buy $50,000 worth of Home Depot with the check that you were going to give to charity, and now you have a $50,000 basis in that Home Depot versus a $25,000 basis. Correct. I got you. Scott's getting very excited about this strategy. I think he's going to talk to some of his clients. Let me ask this. Uh, we and, and as far as gifting to charity, uh, what about gifting to individuals? What, is some of the tax, uh, what are some of the tax benefits to gifting to individuals? Gifting to individuals is a separate, it's not a tax deduction to itself, 
But what that does is that allows you to move money out of your taxable estate if you have one. Okay, so it's not a deduction, but it's it reduces a, your estate. Okay. Right, so it, it reduces your estate, and your limit for 2021 is 14500 per individual, whereas a married filing joint couple is twenty. Fourteen five, so twenty nine thousand dollars total to one particular individual for a husband and spouse. Okay, we've been talking about uh, year end tax planning basics. Before we get to the next topic, let me just ask something a little bit. Let me just let you impress us with something maybe a little bit less known, because uh, I think a lot of people know some of the things we've been talking about. You've you've impressed us with the year end write your check to the company. I like that one. Anything else uh, as far as a credit or anything for year end tax planning that people would go, what? Never heard of that. So let's say for 2021, you're, if you are over age 72, have to take your required minimum distribution out of your IRA, well, there are still rules in place that allow you to make a contribution to a charitable organization of your required minimum distribution that satisfies those rules for the RMDs but is not not subject to tax on your personal tax return. So there's an option for somebody that has to take their required minimum distribution out of their retirement account and then you're you're not paying tax on it and you're getting the benefit. So okay, so so just to clarify, so if my required distribution is $25,000 as an example, and I'm 74 years old, I could give some or all of that to charity, and it would keep that off my tax return. That's correct. Right. Okay, I got you. So one thing that, that I hear folks talk about from time to time are movie credits. And, I mean, there's lots of movies that are filmed in the state of Georgia. Can you just kind of explain how that works in terms of you know what the tax benefit is, why movie credits are available in the state? So the state legislature, to help promote filming in the state of Georgia, instituted uh, tax credits that the movie uh, companies could uh, generate from their revenues. And they also made those movie credits transferable to individuals. So through a credit broker, you can acquire these credits, and they are a dollar for dollar against your taxes. So let's say that your tax is uh, Georgia state tax is $20,000. You go, you can go to a, a credit broker and buy $20,000 worth of tax credits. Well, the benefit to that is that the brokers will sell those credits to you from anywhere from $0.89 cents to $0.92 cents on the dollar. So you can be saving anywhere from 8 to 11% against your state taxes. So in that example... Uh, if your state of Georgia income tax is $20,000, basically you could pay it for, to keep the math easy, let's say $0.90 cents on the dollar, you could pay your state of Georgia $20,000 tax liability for 18000 Is that correct? Gotcha. Hmm. I like that. So, Cliff, we've been, uh, you've been helping our listeners save money, helping our listeners prepare for the end of the year. I think we've put it off as long as we can, Scott. I think we have to start talking about new tax stuff for 2022 and there's a lot of conversation about that Uh, there's a lot going on we tried to hold it off as long as we could but we have to get into it so there's a lot so scott where do you want to start yeah why don't we start with what you know what potentially is going to happen next year i mean i'm hearing things about the estate tax exemptions going down income tax rates going up capital gains rates potentially going up i mean Can you get maybe into a little more detail on each of those? And then what have you heard is probably going to end up happening? I mean, will there be some type of an agreement that's come to between the Democrats and Republicans where instead of going to a top rate of 39.6, maybe it's 37%? So what I've heard so far, and we'll start with the estate and gift tax, is that so for 2020, 
and for 2021, the maximum gift tax exclusion is 11700000 Under the current proposed tax laws, that for 2022, that's going to drop down to $5 million. So if you have a taxable estate at this point in time above $11 million, above the 11 million you want to go ahead get with your advisor get with your your attorney your state attorney that's helped draw draft up your wills and take a look at what do i need to be gifting now to take advantage of this 11,700 because once if the tax law is passed and it drops to 5 million you're out of luck at that point in time you can take advantage of it now before the end of the year and do the reap those maximum exclusions with no problem whatsoever so so the 11.7 million that you reference is a lot of time referred to as the unified credit unified in the sense that either you can give it during life or at death and so i think what i hear you saying is is if that 11.7 goes to 5 million the way that they're proposing you have the ability now to use some of that 6.7 million that you're potentially going to lose in the form of go ahead and gifting some to your to your beneficiaries kids grandkids whomever it might be correct okay i got you and more and just as important that needs to be done before the law actually happens yes because afterward you're kind of out of luck unless there's another administration later that changes it back yada 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 and and i think the other takeaway would be if you are married and have a net worth that exceeds 10 million dollars if you're single and have a net worth that exceeds five million dollars and this law actually goes into effect probably at some point in 2022 or shortly thereafter you want to get with your state attorney and talk about how can we mitigate some of these taxes that's very correct All right, so let's talk about the tax rate. The I believe it's being proposed at thirty nine point six as the top tax rate uh, for singles over four hundred thousand and married over four hundred fifty. Correct. Is is that a done deal? Is it? I mean, we're asking you to pull out your crystal ball. We know it's very cloudy, but give us your best guess. Uh, my best guess is it won't happen until next year, based on everything that I'm seeing out of Congress. The Republicans, that the Democrats do not have the votes based on the Republicans and the moderate Democrats. Um, I think if we'll see something probably in 2022, but given the way things are going right now, I don't, I feel I don't see that happening before year end. And if they do something, let's say in the middle of 2022, will that revert, that'll, that'll basically cover entire income of 2022. So we almost need to anticipate some kind of raise at some point next year. I believe so. Fair fair to say? That's fair to say. So in the, in the top tax bracket currently is 35%, correct? Correct. Okay. So thirty-five to thirty-nine point six potentially, or maybe maybe they some t- come to some type of agreement and settle on thirty-seven percent. That that would be nice if they did, but I, yep. and and let me show. I'm I'm uh, by the way as a as a trusty co-host occasionally on Business Radio X. I'm asked I'm allowed to ask one very dumb question every show, so this might be it. So the 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 highest tax rate going up to thirty nine point six. What about the other rates? Are 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 they all being potentially going up? Only a couple, just the highest. So. From what I have read to date, the rates up to 28% will not change, uh, but the 32 and the 35% will make some changes between the 350 to the 450,000 mark for married filing joint filers. Good. A couple other quick topics, capital gains rates. Where do you see those potentially going up? And then once you answer that, I'll have a follow-up question for you as well. So, With the capital gains rates, we see them going up to 25% for individuals uh, over, I believe it was 50, 
$500,000 in total income, $450,000 for married filing joint and $400,000 for singles. The current proposed is that that rates would take effect this year after September 13th, starting September 13th through the so retroactive. So it would be retroactive to today. And anything that was prior to September 13th of 2021 would be under the old rules of a maximum of 20%. And that also takes in if you've got any legal contracts that are in place prior to September 13th, those legal contracts would also uh, follow the 20% rule. And is well. this is this part of the bill that has yet to be passed? So that's not that's what they're talking about. So that's still alleged, I guess. That's still point. alleged. Okay. That's still waiting to be and, and voted if, upon. And if you're thinking it may not happen till next year, I guess it's up for debate whether that would still be retroactive to September. Maybe it's retroactive to January. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But if it went through in 2022, more than likely it would be retroactive to January yeah. 1st. And and under those 400 and 450,000, that rate would stay the same at 20%. It would still you'd still have your 15 and 20% rates at that point in time. Okay. So one thing that I see some landowners do uh, to defer cap gains on the sale of land is 1031 exchanges. Have you heard anything regarding 1031s and those potentially being done away with? I've heard talk about them being done away with. My feeling is that I don't think they will get that through the negotiation process. It's too big of a benefit to a lot of people and would, in my opinion, would harm the real estate industry in and of itself. Because mm-hmm. from the 2018 tax act, that was the only thing of the, the 1031 laws that survived was real estate. And then, and then one last question before we wrap up here. What Going into year-end and doing some year-end planning, would you be selling assets now in anticipation of some of these cap gain changes if you're a higher-income person, or would you continue doing what you're doing and not trying to get too cute with the tax code? I think it all depends on your likelihood and also your level of risk tolerance. There are going to be clients that will want to go ahead. Let me, I want to go ahead and capitalize uh, and take the gains based on now and roll the dice. Other people that will be, all right, I'm going to roll the dice and just see what happens next year. I got you. I got you. Um, Cliff, a lot of great information. Uh, We've learned a lot in the 20 minutes that you've been here. Uh, For those people who actually are looking for a good CPA group to work with, tell everybody how they can get in touch with your group. Well, uh, you can find us at uh, www.wmbocpagroup.com or our phone number 770-622-9885. And they can ask for Cliff. They can ask for Cliff. <laughs> but there are there are many CPAs there that can help them, right? Yes. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, Scott, why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about Phelan and Myers Wealth Management Group of Janie Montgomery Scott? Yes. So uh, Kevin Myers, my, my business partner, is not here today. He's actually in Hilton Head with his family for fall break. But it's me, Scott Phelan, Kevin Myers. We are uh, right there on Sugarloaf Parkway in Duluth. We've got uh, three assistants we work with. We'd love to talk to you if we can ever help you. Our phone number there is 678-448-4841. And thank you, Cliff, for coming in today, helping us out. We very much appreciate it. Information's great. And that is a wrap for today on Phelan and Myers 2 for 20.
Any examples provided are hypothetical and do not take into account any specific situations. The hypothetical examples are provided to help illustrate the concepts discussed throughout and do not consider the effect of fees, expenses, or other costs that will affect investing outcomes. Any actual performance results will differ from the hypothetical situations discussed during this program. Please consult a professional to help you evaluate your situation before implementing any of the strategies discussed here. There are no guarantees that any investment or investment strategy will meet its objectives or that an investment can avoid losses. Investment products offered are not insured by the FDIC or any other government agency. They are not deposits or obligations of or guaranteed by the financial institutions where offered. They also involve investment risk, including the possible loss of principal. Past performance is not an indication of future results. This information was prepared from sources believed to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed as to accuracy and is not a complete summary or statement of all available data. The views or opinions expressed in this material are solely those of the host and or guests and do not necessarily represent those of Janie Montgomery Scott, LLC. The concepts illustrated here have legal, accounting, and tax implications. Neither Janie Montgomery Scott LLC nor its financial advisors give tax, legal, or accounting advice. This is Phelan and Myers, 2 for 20 with the Phelan and Myers Wealth Management Group of Janie Montgomery Scott. Janie, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and the New York Stock Exchange, maintains a presence in Duluth with their office at 6340 Sugarloaf Parkway, Suite 130 in Duluth, Georgia. The information provided here is taken from sources which we believe to be reliable, but the accuracy and completeness of such information is not guaranteed by us. This is not an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors. Employees of Janie Montgomery Scott LLC or its affiliates may, at times, release written or oral commentary, technical analysis, or trading strategies that differ from the opinions expressed here. Investing may involve market risk, including possible loss of principal. Janie Montgomery Scott LLC, its affiliates, and its employees are not in the business of providing tax, regulatory, accounting, or legal advice. Any tax-related statements are not intended for and cannot be used or relied upon by any such taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding tax penalties. Any such taxpayer should seek advice based on the taxpayer's particular circumstances from an independent tax advisor. For more information about Janie, please see Janie's Relationship Summary Form, Form CRS, on Janie.com forward slash CRS, which details all material facts about the scope and terms of our relationship with you and any potential conflicts of interest. For a full description of Janie's investment advisory products and services, please refer to Janie's Form ADV Part 2, available on Janie's website or by contacting a Janie financial advisor.